You are now about to witness the strength of Raider Nation. We are now into the prep week for the Packers. I mean, just come out of the bye. You got to see a primetime view of the Packers on Monday night. Not that the coaches and players use the Monday night film for study, but I expect the Raiders to be as prepared as possible. It's been a hard week because I'm overflowing with anticipation and excitement for the game versus the Packers. And why is that? Our team, the Oakland Raiders. Imagine going into the bye one and four. If we play to expectations. As I said in the last pod, the Raiders have exceeded expectations, so the nation has something to be excited about. We just want to see more of this team. A grinding, tough, hardworking, bonded team. A team Raider Nation can be proud of. Uh, during the bye, we did get to see the Chargers and Chiefs fail miserably. So that was nice. It's always nice to see the uh, Chargers and Chiefs losing and you're making a little money off of it. On top of it, which feels like double bonus time. But unfortunately, the low-life scumbag hated Denver Broncos did win. And then I just realized I still hate the Broncos the most. The other two are better, but I just hate the Broncos a little more than them. I really can't put a finger on it, except the Broncos and the fans are the worst and most unknowledgeable fans in the world. Grasping for any hope in a completely hopeless situation. I guess that sounds familiar, right? But hey, who's in second place? Who won the game? The Broncos? Borat's right. And isn't it a lovely morning? No, it's not a lovely morning, Sheriff. It's not a lovely morning. Sometimes I gotta wake up. This has happened too often this year. To some horrible news about the Raiders. This morning it was Trent Brown being taken to civil court for domestic violence issue. This is incredibly, extremely serious right now. Um, If it's true, Antonio um, Trent Brown will no longer be on the team. Our great right tackle, a cornerstone piece that I've been preaching about um, from our offensive line for the past, you know, three, four weeks. It would be devastating to our team. But if he did, in fact, hit that woman or whatever, um, then it's too bad you're gone. We can't have that. It's just... We just can't have that. Mark Davis has made his personal stand on domestic violence after what happened to Fred Bolitnikoff's daughter, and I don't blame him. So it pretty much goes without saying hitting women, beating women, uh, beating anybody is unacceptable. But I just hope it's not true. We don't know enough to comment any further. I don't know Trent Brown personally, but I like to think he's not the type of guy to do this. But we don't have all the facts, and we'll move on from that and continue like it never happened. Like everything's going to be fine. What do you think? Uh, I, I, I don't, uh, I can't, uh, what? I'm sure it will. So we just have to hope he didn't do those things to that young lady. And if he did, um, we're just going to have to prepare for that possibility, Raider Nation. Speaking of Raider Nation, we've been on fire this week on social media with good information and informed opinions. Like, uh, cutting Derek Carr and getting Colin Kaepernick. I'm sorry, I had to get that one in there. I mean, I can't believe people were actually serious about you. I mean, Colin Kaepernick. Come on. Come on. Kaepernick. Give me a fucking break. Kaepernick, the guy with his eyeballs too close together, 
is going to run this comp pick up this complicated offense and run it to perfection come on it's a small percentage of the nation that comes up with ideas I'm not saying they're good or bad they're ideas but it there's been studies raider nation is the most knowledgeable fan base by far of any sports fan base in the world there's studies you just have to look them up there somewhere so it's been mostly good vibes this week positivity on social media uh, except for Derek Carr there seems to be a perception and a hatred of Derek Carr and at this point there are nation members tripling quadrupling down on the hate in my eyes he's proving people wrong everyone wants to talk about the low YPA okay fair not really fair but I'll be fair and listen to your argument but also listen to mine you want to bring up YPA but what about the completion percentage, the passer rating? Passer rating went under pressure. The team's record, the game versus top five defenses, the lack of bodies at receiver, the lack of actually good receivers, three rookies starting on offense. Think about it like this. The team is 3-2, and two, just defeated the Bears. A tremendous improvement from last year. And you're worried because Derek Carr doesn't throw the ball more than five yards on average or whatever the hell it is? I don't even care. The top average, I guess, of YPA is like around seven, right? So basically, you're upset about a 3-2 and two record improvement on the team and beating the Bears because you can't get it over that Derek Carr can't throw the ball two more yards every pass attempt like you would like. Come on. Come on. People forget, it seems, about what life was like before Derek Carr. I'm going to go ahead and call that BC, before Carr. Let's take a look at the list of quarterbacks we had before Derek Carr. Derek Carr's rookie year, of course, second-round pick. He wasn't slated to start. Our starting quarterback for that year was supposed to be Matt Schaub. Thankfully, Derek Carr beat him out in preseason and was a starter his rookie year in game one. The year before Derek Carr was drafted, 2013, who were the quarterbacks? Oh, Terrell Pryor. And Matt McGloin. You guys remember the battles between who should start, Matt McGloin or Terrell Pryor? Those were the days, right? The good old days. In 2012, it was Carson Palmer, one decent quarterback out of the group. There's only full season here. In 2011, the starting quarterback was Jason Campbell. Of course, he would get hurt, which led Hugh Jackson to pursue Carson Palmer with the brilliant idea of, hey, two first rounds and a second round pick. Why not? We're in a position to win now. No, really, at that time, there was a chance. I believe they were 4-3, and three, had a winning record, or 7-3, and three, something like that. 7-3, and three, and winning record, and uh, yeah. And, of course, that was also the year the great Al Davis passed. The godfather, the creator of this team we love so much. Rest in peace, Mr. Davis. Maybe just, you know get the ball to bounce our way a few times every game and you know, trip a referee or something like that. 2010 again was Jason Campbell with Kyle Bowler and J.P. O'Sullivan backing him up. Yikes. In the 2008-2009 seasons, the infamous starting quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, Jamarcus Russell. This is what happens to the Raiders offense every time Jamarcus Russell stepped on the field. It would explode. And the backups around Jamarcus Russell, which were important because he sucked. Marcus Tuyas Asopo, 
Andrew Walters, J.P. Lossman, Bruce Gradkowski, and Charlie Fry. Jamarcus Russell, he like I said, he was supposed to be the starter for 2008-2009. He wouldn't make it through the 2009 season, being replaced in week 11. And after that, it was over. Number one overall pick. 2007, Josh McCown was a Raiders starter. Hmm. 2006, Aaron Brooks. 2004 and 5, a washed up, overrated Kerry Collins. This isn't the Indianapolis Colts who had Peyton Manning and then got Andrew Luck after that. This isn't the Green Bay Packers who had Brett Favre and then Andrew Rogers or <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, whatever his name is. This is a hot, steaming pile of crap before Derek Carr came on the scene. So that's BC. And I jumped all over Derek Carr after Minnesota, but he got back on track. I believed in Carr from the beginning, and this is Raider Nation's quarterback. That's our quarterback, man. It's my quarterback. And I believe he can be a top quarterback, so there's expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, there's disappointment, anger, eventually sadness, and some other emotions that just keep pushed way down there. But I wasn't wrong about Carr and what I expected to see out of him. In this offense, it's a baby right now. But it can turn into a steamrolling juggernaut that's going to clear everything out of its path. And a clear connection to those Super Bowl teams has been dominant offensive lines. Those Raiders Super Bowl teams were allegedly going against badass defenses and turned those guys around and sent them home like mangy beaten dogs with their tails between their legs. Making those defenses and D-lines disappear. Nullified, neutralized, or neutered if you prefer. And that will be the key, Raider Nation, this offensive line. And for the future of this offensive line, Richie Incognito has been great, but there's no guarantees on Incognito. He's done everything asked of him, played extremely well. Like I said, he brings that nasty and influences the rest of the line with it. That important, I'm going to take your manhood mentality. It's what turns a good line into a scary line, one that defenses fear. So important to uh, what the Raiders are trying to build here. I really appreciate what Incognito is bringing right now. But we will need to find a suitable replacement in next year's draft, I'm thinking. It's going to be tough to replace. Not that he needs to be replaced next year. If things go well, I can see him here for another year. And he wants to be here. Pretty soon I won't have to say that. Just about every player on this roster wants to be here. But honestly, in the draft, I'll be looking for the next incognito. Or that Quentin Nelson type who brings that attitude and mauls defenders to the ground or drives them out of the hole. And that absolutely no defender wants to fuck with. So as this O-line is about ready to reach its peak, let's hope that it can stay intact and show that power and domination, which I'm expecting. A tough, physical, run-oriented team. I like this team Chucky's putting together. I like what this team's becoming. And people talk about Chucky's antiquated offense. Any hate on Gruden will not be tolerated. In my opinion, if you don't think Gruden's a good head coach, you don't know shit. Is it the faces he makes that some people have a problem with? If you're not used to it and you think it's a gimmick and you think John Gruden's not a good coach, that really shows how much you know. 
Nothing. Nothing. I accepted that contorted, twisted face and eyebrows all over the place in 98. That face reminds me of change. A face that isn't putting up with anyone's bullshit. A face that built a joke of a Raiders team into a Super Bowl contender. Taking a team that had a record of 28-36 the previous four years. To 49-31 and 31 the next four years. That is a 21-win difference. Five more wins each season. Not to mention three consecutive AFC West titles. Two trips to the AFC Championship Game. Championship Game. Hosting both and a Super Bowl appearance. No antiquated offense here. I've already gone into that. I say that to say this. Gruden made the comment that we are building our team. We like to progress. That tells me no letdown. He'll do everything in his power to fully grasp the momentum with two hands that they are now clutching. But up next is what I think is the toughest type of offense to face. One with an all-world quarterback who can scramble. With quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, the running game has less of an impact as those type QBs will be back there working their magic. Defensively, we do not have all the pieces to corral those QBs, so that's my major concern. The Packers' pass protection versus our defensive line pass rush combined with Rodgers' scrambling ability really gives me reason to worry. It will already be a tough challenge, for the Raiders going in facing Rodgers, but him scrambling around is going to make things ten times worse. Now, I know none of this would happen if the referees didn't blatantly screw the Lions out of a victory that they more than deserved. And I really don't want to hear they should have scored more. Nine points should have been plenty the way they were playing. The refs didn't cheat with fabricated calls. The nine points was more than enough. Facts. Packers failed to convert on third down and had to punt. Ref bails him out with a janky made-up call. Instead of punting, Packers keep the ball. The next play, a long touchdown throw by Aaron Rodgers. Packer fans, go to hell. And then the Packers would eventually win. So that's my worries, concerns about the passing game from the Packers. The Raiders' run defense, though, should be the strength, and I hope to see... I hope to see continued sustained play on that particular part of the defense. Ideally, when Rodgers is handing it off, the Packers aren't getting more than two yards of carry. So I'm not too worried about that. I just need to see some confirmation at the beginning of the game. Another concern for me, though, is the screen game and quick passes to different sides of the field. If they're mixing it up successfully, they'll hamper the Raiders' run defense, as they'll be in confusion about what is hitting them next, and Rodgers is a master at that. And looking at the coaching side of things for the Packers, Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur has come in and tightened things up. He's done a much, this team is much better than compared to last year when Mike McCarthy was running it. So Matt LaFleur, young offensive mind, first time head coach, doing a good job. D's more consistent, tougher. The offense is more varied. But in crunch time, it's still Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And I don't want to be his neighbor unless he retires and moves back to Cali. Green Bay running back Aaron Jones is a good back who runs tough. He is able, the combination of him and Williams are able to keep defenses honest and help the Packers offense run smoothly and efficiently. But I believe the Raiders D will keep those guys to their real average and not let guys like Jones explode for almost 200 scrimmage yards 
and four touchdowns. Right, Cowboys? Good job. Speaking of, what happened to that Cowboy D? To me, an example of below average coaching. This time, a slow deterioration of the team's performance compared to expectations. As a head coach, Jarrett, Jason Garrett should have been fired long ago. He's held out longer than I thought, mostly because he's a clapping sock puppet who's under complete control by Jerry Jones. And the other reason is no one's going to want to come in there and be dictated to by Jerry Jones. People want to come in and coach their football team. It remains to be seen, but it looks like Garrett has run out of gas and Jones has run out of patience. Jason Garrett is Barry Switzer, reincarnated, except if you put Switzer in charge for a decade. Cowboys have been drafting much better since Junior Jones took over, and Jerry needs to get back in the GM seat and start drafting again, in my opinion. So the lesson learned here, your talented squad ain't shit without a good coach leading them. I believe if you don't have a great coach for your team, you have no chance to contend for a title. Like I said, I don't believe Garrett is a good coach, let alone a great one. So inconsistencies pop up and plays are given up on D that should not be given up. And plays are not made on offense that they're expected to make. Okay, anyway, back to the game. The Lions had the Packers beat. They deserved to win that game and was stolen from them by referees. I understand your pain, but I don't sympathize. Tell me how it feels to plead your case of obvious shenanigans against your team and have someone dismiss it and say everyone deals with the refs like it's a normal bad call. No, it's not a normal bad call. That's what those people don't understand. I'm not talking about knucklehead personal foul penalties. I'm talking about a blatant, fabricated call to give the other team a mulligan, a redo that they don't deserve. Another chance to win. That feeling you Lion fan have experienced a couple times this season? Raider Nation experiences this almost weekly for, I don't know, my entire life. So we, the nation, Raider Nation, have been hardened uh, by the treatment. That feeling we go through all the time. So we've been hardened towards other teams. And laugh when you complain about the refs because you don't know about referee bad calls like we do. So the beginning of every week, coming up for the game, I somehow forget about the ref factor we're going to face. But, like clockwork, we be reminded almost immediately at the start of the game what the Raiders are dealing with. The good thing is, this week I'll be prepared for ref shenanigans and Roger shenanigans. Both of these things we must overcome. I'll call this unholy abomination combination. Rogeries. Rogeries. We must rise up and overcome the Rogeries. On Twitter recently, I found out that the Raiders have not defeated the Packers at Lambeau Field since 1987. 1987. The 80s Packers. Man, the Packers of the 80s. Now that's a Packer team I like. Lynn Dickey, uh, James Lofton. Uh, some other guys, football players, they need to get back to that. Packer fan acts like Patriots fan, trying to justify an obvious injustice. But not to worry, soon Rodgers will retire. And then what? What happens when you can't have two Hall of Fame QBs 
back-to-back running your team. The odds on landing a third Hall of Fame quarterback are minute. So most likely, it'll be back to the 80s Packers with Lynn Dickey. I can't wait. Packer fans are going to be so excited. I know that uh, they don't know about the 80s Packers because they weren't fans when the Packers sucked. I guarantee you that. But you're going to love the 80s Packers. Okay, back to this unlikable, not as good, not as good a team as the 80s Packers team. Aaron Rodgers wishes he was Lynn Dickey. Oh, another thing. You know, maybe not all Packer fans are like this. There's some out there representing you guys very badly. I heard one day that, you know, this Packer, Aaron Rodgers wasn't doing so well. And this alleged Packer fan called out, I hate him. He sucks. Where's Brett Favre? At this point, Brett Favre had been retired for years. And uh, this person could just not appreciate how good Aaron Rodgers was. Pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. Wait a minute. In this case, I don't want to use the word pretty. Ugly dumb. Very ugly dumb. So, Packers are 17th in total offense. Raiders are 21st. Separated by 7 yards a game. They also take care of the ball to a A-Ron interceptions this year. And a defense coming up with turnovers. Passing offense where the Packers have us beat, along with 23 other teams. Rodgers hits for about 250 a game. Carr, met, Carr hits for about, with his high-powered, non-high-powered passing attack, at about 213 a game. And that's the passing stuff, but none of that, none of those numbers could really matter because you can easily see Aaron Rodgers going for over 300, 350, 400, you know. And if that's the case, that's a loss. Now let's get to the side of the ball that we are better at and that I think and I hope we're going to dominate at this Sunday, the run game. The Raiders have the best, the eighth best rushing attack, 134 yards a game. The Packers sit at 17th in average, not bad. With Matt LaFleur compared to last year with Mike McCarthy, the Packers have cut down on four pass attempts per game and rush about six more times a game. This should bring balance to the offense but it hasn't really, the numbers are almost the same from last year. So, the, which is strange, the Packers last year were 22nd in rushing offense per average per game at 104.2 on 20 rushes a game. This year, they run for a yard and a half more on 26 rushes a game, but are 23rd. So in comparison, that's six more rushes a game for about a yard and a half more a game. Not exactly an efficient rise, is it? But if the run game isn't working, it'll be old Buck Rogers sending missiles through space anyway. In this game, I think that will work to their advantage, especially with the Rogeries. But getting a team to be one-dimensional is going to be better than having to worry about either a run or a pass hitting you. So it is imperative that we shut the run down, even though we might not be able to shut the pass down. So let's be honest, Nation. This will be a tough one. The odds are against the Raiders getting out with the W. You know what? Not W's. Victory. Jameis Winston has ruined W's for me for the rest of my life. I will never be able to say or hear, let's get a W without thinking of Jameis Winston committing sodomy on his fingers on national TV in front of millions. And unfortunately, 
in front of his own team who had to witness and act popular on sites like Pornhub. And then, unfortunately, he had to go out on the field right after that and play an NFL game with that image burned into their brains. I imagine when he's in the huddle giving the play call, how are they not looking at him and having visions of his unwanted sexual advance? Or wanted, who knows? Either way, it's distracting. Thank God we don't have Jameis Winston. So a victory, the odds are against the Raiders. But pull it off, and I believe this team is on its way this year. Take care of the confidence to win. The confidence to see the work you're putting in paying off. That will help the rest of the season going strong into next year. In my belief, that is when I can seriously expect the Raiders to start contending for a title. At least be a solid lock for the playoffs. So just like that beautiful Death Star battle station they're building out in Las Vegas. So far, everything's on schedule. So while the Packers' run game hasn't changed much, even though they made an effort to run more, the Raiders' run game has exploded onto the scene, going from 30th out of 32 teams last year in average to 8th right now. 30th to 8th. That is a massive jump. It's only five games, like I said before. I I expect them to be around that number, maybe finish a few spots lower at worst. So from 30th to 8th, even though it's five games, that is such a huge change. Going from the bottom three to the top ten, this jump is so huge that either they will return to average or they've made a tremendous improvement. I haven't seen any evidence that I can fucking talk. Okay, calm it down. I haven't seen any evidence this is a fluke so far. So I believe it's a ladder. And just looking at them, we can see the tremendous difference with the rushing attack on defense and offense. The Raiders should also have the rest advantage. The Raiders, as soon as the interviews ended in London, were preparing for the Packers. Trip home, week off, let's get back to business. The Packers had less than a week to prepare. And Gruden didn't take time off. I mean, it's John Gruden. What does time off of a vacation look like for Gruden? At least a laptop so he can go over film while snorkeling and hiking, right? I don't know. We know Gruden doesn't take a break from ball. So, of course, he'll be working out recently acquired Zay Jones all quote-unquote week off. Zay Jones. Like I said, I have to trust that Mayock and Gruden were uh, thorough in their evaluation. I don't know much about Zay Jones. I try to study up on him a bit, but haven't gathered a judgment on him from beat writer scouting reports. Um, real scouts have a hard enough time getting it right, so miss me with your blog draft grades. But there are many factors to consider. Buffalo QB situation, Sean McDonough, McDonough? McDermott, a defensive head coach. We need to see what happens when Gruden gets him. They did an excellent job getting a big play out of Davis after trading for him. Maybe they have something drawn up for Zay Jones this week. We'll see how he progresses in Gruden's system and with this staff developing him. Okay, so let's get down to some sort of prediction. Do I think the Raiders will win this game? I do. If these things happen. If these certain things happen, they will win the game. Ball control. Everyone knows about this by now. The Raiders are going to have to put together time-consuming, high-number-plays-type drives all game long. That'll keep Rodgers on the bench sitting for long stretches of time, cold, in the cold. 
and will limit the opportunities of him and his zebra-striped buddies have to win or cheat. So on offense, the Raiders must play keep away from Rodgers. On defense, they must play better pass defense than they have all season and continue to crush that run. You know, and hope that the this will lead to eventually the Packers abandoning the run game and becoming one-dimensional. And the Raiders should have their secondary dialed in. I don't expect to see blown coverages. But still, this guarantees nothing as Rodgers can fit it in anywhere and buy himself extra time. But I believe it is the best strategy we possibly have to, to beat the Packers with the current personnel we have. The pass rush is going to need to think of something, come up with something to get pressure on Rodgers and also contain him. Or else it's 40-yard perfectly thrown bombs for touchdowns. And then if the Raiders don't contain him and chase him from the pocket, scrambling is even worse. Most likely this is how it will play out. So the offense will have to milk the clock with long sustained drives for scores and along the way pounding the defense and sapping their will and strength. And when I say scores, they must score touchdowns. Once this O-line fully gels, I expect the breaking of the defense to be an eventuality every game. The prospect of this is putting a huge ass smile on my face. I know winning by 30 points is great, but I'm looking forward to watching the Raiders just mangle defenses with that line. Can't wait to say we whooped your ass. No, we literally stomped you into the ground. If it was prison, you'd be holding on to our pocket. After an extra week of prep and what they have shown so far, I fully expect them to come out blazing. Let's go, Raider Nation. Sharpen our swords. Let's get in our pirate ships and sail to Green Bay for the invasion. I know there's no water around Green Bay, and just go with me on this one. And it's going to be cold. But I expect the Raiders to come out on fire, smoking. Let's put it to this Packers team like I know they can. The frozen tundra, Lambeau Field. Let's go in there and make it ours. Let's leave that crowd silent, stunned. And let's walk out of there with the pirate loot of a beautiful golden victory over Green Bay. Alex Ingold, show these fools what they've been missing. Let's go out there once again and take the will of another opponent. Let's make them quit by the third quarter. It's time to ride, nation. Against all odds, as usual. And if we can't be there in Green Bay with them, let's send that energy to them. Let's send everything we got. This is the most important game of the Raiders' season so far. A pivotal turning point game for this franchise. I know you all be ready. I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to see our boys put it on this Packer team. That's what I expect to see on Sunday. Raider Nation, that's all I got today. So as usual, I hope you have a beautiful silver and black day. And let's show the world there's only one nation, baby. This is Raider Nation for life. I'll see you guys next time. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won.